let's get into our series. So we're in Rooted, this series where we're talking about what it means to live deeply in a hurried world. And so the, kind of the heart behind it, you hear it, is, is we live in a world where even if we're not actually busy, we feel busy, right? Our, our minds kind of feel, you know, I don't know if you ever feel that noise, um, but make up your own noise. But do you ever feel kind of just a lot's happening in your brain and you look out and it just feels like every day just a lot's going on and things feel rushed even if they're not. And we're just spending a few months in this series Go, what does it look like to live deeply, to, to live like firmly established in the presence of God in the midst of an ever-changing and at times hurried world. What does it look like? And so that's where we've been, and we're gonna be back there today. And uh, I'll start out with a story. There's this guy named Robert Smith, and my guess is you probably know a Robert Smith because Robert and Smith is pretty standard. But there's this guy named Robert Smith that's very specific that I wanna tell you about. He is this guy who just is a billionaire, so already super relatable for all of us. We're like, oh, one of the, okay, yeah, me too, same, billionaire, okay. Um, are you guys with me this morning? I know the joke wasn't funny, but usually, usually you fake laugh more than that. Um, so I'm, okay, just, just lean in, all right? So this guy named Robert Smith, he's giving this speech at Morehouse College in Atlanta, and he's talking to 400, around 400 graduating seniors. And so just picture this, all right? It's this speech, all these people are in, just cap and gown, it's beautiful, it's a big moment, nostalgic, oh my gosh, they've all grown up, they're graduating, it's awesome. And as he's giving the speech that every, you know, everyone gives that one speech to the graduating class, he's saying all these things, and then all of a sudden he makes this announcement that is truly insane, all right? He says, I'm going, I'm not quoting him, but he basically says, I'm going to cover, pay for all of the student debt represented in this graduating class. And I say that to let you know that if you're a student, I'm gonna pay for all of your, no, uh, that would never happen um, because I'm still paying my own debt, so get over it. Um, but, uh, but he makes this announcement that he is going to pay for the entire student debt represented in the whole senior class. Can you imagine graduating college and you're, you're like so excited to be graduating, but you're also feeling the pressure of, I need a job tomorrow because I owe lots of money for this education I just received. Some of you are smart and had a scholarship. Ugh, whatever, congrats. I didn't have one of those. So, so this guy makes this amazing announcement and you watch as the good news just kind of sweeps over. The, does anyone know this story? I mean, it was pretty popular. If you have social media, you probably saw it. Yeah, what's up, Jason? Um, so the, it, the good news just kind of sweeps over them and they just start going crazy because it's like, what has just happened? They interviewed this guy who had $90,000 of student debt. And if you go to Lipscomb, Belmont, or Vandy, you're like, that is chump change. That is nothing. So whatever. Um, paid for a half a semester. Um, but, but this guy's like, just like an interview. He's just in shock. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, you just imagine like these, these 20-somethings are, are thinking that, okay, the next 15 years, this is my budget to pay off student debt. And it's just erased. It's amazing, right? And I just started thinking about this story and how stunning it is because I realized like, oh, that's not just affecting the students there. Like, I'm sure some of them had family that was gonna come shoulder the debt alongside of them because they really wanted their son, daughter, niece, nephew to go to college and said, hey, I'll help you. And they took on some debt on their own and washed away. And then, uh, I just used Christian language. I gave away the metaphor, washed away, like the blood of Jesus. Anyway, um, think about their future children. It's like, instead of them spending the next decade of their life paying off debt, it's like, that can go into savings, buy a house. I don't know, $90,000 will go a long way. Just this amazing gift. And I'm like, why is this story just so incredible? Because it's rare that you hear about receiving something that is both free and awesome, right? It's like when you think, when someone's saying, hey, we'll give you this for free, 
your first response is not, this is amazing news. Your first response is typically like, what's, okay, now tell me the truth. What's the catch? Or it's not worth it. It's like free is like those people that like have the energy drink backpack on and they drive like the Red Bull car. And like, hey, here's a free Red Bull. And you're like, I mean, this is great, not that great, right? It's like free, isn't that awesome? It's rare that something is both free and amazing and mind-blowing. And here Robert Smith is like just giving them something that he earned just to do it, right? It's an amazing story. My experience with free isn't quite like this, right? For me, it's more like the iOS 13 update for Apple. You want to get the update? Do you like the update, Patrizio? Oh. <laughs> Sarcasm, got it. I, you think I'd pick up on that. Um, but iOS 13 update, and with this update, my Apple TV, they said that uh, I could have a free trial of Apple Arcade. I don't really play video games. I love them, but I haven't played them in a long time. Um, and so this free Apple Arcade didn't look great, but it was free, so I was like, yes. It was one of those, hey, subscribe and get a free trial, right? And so what do I do? I'm like the smart consumer that does what we all do. You subscribe for the free trial and then you immediately go to your account and you what? You cancel it, right? Because then you get the month free and you owe nothing and it's actually free. They have caught on to us because I did that. And when I pressed cancel, they said like, are you sure this will cancel your free trial? I'm like, free trials aren't even free trials anymore? Like, I can't even cancel? So their plan is that I forget uh, in a month from now, and then they get to take $6 from me for the rest of my life. It's like, man, we live in a world where free trials aren't even free trials. Like, what in the world? It's just this broken, just sinful world. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, so have you ever had that experience with free apps? And anyway, they've caught on. I think it's ending. So it's just moments like, oh my goodness, it's hard in, in this world to go, oh, something is actually free, it's for my good, and it's awesome. Like, it's totally worthwhile. And we're gonna talk about a word today that gets thrown around a lot, this word grace. And if you've been at church at all, or really if you just lived in Nashville for any time, you've heard this word. And it can mean a lot to a lot of people. I think some of us, we hear the word grace, and we think it's quote-unquote free, but I have to like live into this like code of conducts and, and act and dress a certain way to be in the club of grace. Some of us hear it and it's really more of like a get out of jail free card. It's just kind of an excuse to do whatever you want. It's just got a lot of baggage on it. But Paul uses this word to expound on like the abundant, infinite goodness of God. And I wanna let Paul kind of redefine our words today. We're gonna to be in Titus chapter two, redefine our, our definition of grace. Titus chapter two, if you use one of our blue Bibles, it's on page uh, 579. And my hope is that we'll leave today going, grace is genuinely free. And it's not just free, it is awesome. And I want to talk about why I think grace is so awesome, and, and hopefully it'll bring some, some clarity to us. So we're going to be in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. And I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to have someone else read it. So um, I'll read it first, and then just because I often forget what the passage says the minute I read it, I'll have someone else read it in a different voice, maybe that'll help. So Titus 2, verse 11, if you're there say anything. Good, good. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I'd love to have someone else, someone volunteer to, to read this to our church, if that's cool. Who would like to read this over? Yeah, go for it. Go in IV, man. The nearly inspired version. <laughs> Just kidding. My Baptist preacher used to make that joke, and I'm kidding. Please go. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry. Zone back in. No, yeah, you just stand. You got it. You got the projection. Through 14. So good. Thanks, Jason. God, will you just help us today? This is so powerful. I, I, I just love this. And God, I feel like grace can feel so um, abstract and out there. And what does it actually mean? And how will you give us just a, we'll never understand it fully. It's so big. It's so beautiful. But give us a, a glimpse of it today. Um, teach us about grace this morning. Lead us by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little context, and then we'll, we'll work through this passage just chronologically. Um, this is written by Paul, this apostle, to a guy named Titus, all right? So it's called Titus because it's written to Titus. And he lives in this place called Crete. Does anyone know where Crete is? Where is it? It's an island of Greece. Yeah, if you've seen pictures of it, you'd really understand why Paul felt led to, to plant a church there, all right? It's beautiful. I was like, Paul, I see what you were up to. I'm just kidding. I think he had good intentions anyway. But he wrote to this, this people in Crete, this beautiful island. If you've just seen any pictures of Greece and their beaches, it's, it's beautiful. And this culture is kind of divided. Um, you, you quickly learn if you study into like Crete and what it was like at this time, it makes sense that Paul and Titus are there. And, and what they're really trying to do is establish the church of Jesus in a healthy way because they're, they're in a culture where you kind of have two sides. All right, on one side, it's, it's pagan. Um, there may be some Greek mythology, but really it's just consumed with like self-obsession. Uh, it, it's sexually immoral. Uh, it's kind of just everyone to their own devices. Whatever you feel like doing, kind of go for it, right? It's free in that way. If you've ever lived into that kind of freedom, it feels free early, and then it, you start feeling enslaved to your own desires long-term. So that's one side. The other side, there's this really kind of religious, legalistic group. So there is already a church. You'll see, even see in chapter one, verse five, Paul talks about the church that remains. So it's almost like there's like the remains of the church but the problem is, even though the gospel's been presented, it's been plagued by Judaizers. And what that means is basically people who are ethnically Jewish have come in and they've added some like strict laws to the gospel, thus taking away from what the gospel actually is. Does that make sense? So on one side, you've got this like, hey, do what you want, like whatever, no direction, kind of aimless, no morals. On the other side, you have this legalistic, rigid church. And so people are left to choose. Do I choose like freedom for my flesh, which doesn't actually feel free long-term, you feel enslaved to your own self, or do I go over here and have to act and talk and be a certain way to feel like I belong? Have you ever felt that tension before? Have you ever felt like you got two choices? One, do whatever you want, that doesn't feel quite right, or come over here and act and talk and be a certain way and that's how you belong. If you ever felt like those were your two choices and you're like, man, I really wish there was a door number three where I could just like be free while also following Jesus and not feel enslaved to religiosity, right? And so 
Paul and Titus have a very real purpose in being in Crete. They wanna establish the church of Jesus, the holistic, healthy church of Jesus. And so chapter one and half of chapter two is spent started sort of trying to add some like spiritual structure that the holistic church of Jesus can grow and be fruitful to create that door number three. And in verses 11 through 14, Paul is gonna give us the why behind all of it. Like there's a reason that we do church. There's a reason that we gather and worship and follow Jesus and try to help other people follow Jesus. And it's this word, Grace. And so let's walk through this thing. So verse 11, Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So the first thing Paul says, the grace of God has appeared. All right? Have you ever seen grace? Not your friend Grace, but like grace of God, right? Like he goes, it's shown up. It's like, what are you talking about? Like to me, grace is kind of like ethereal, in the air, ambiguous, can't quite grab onto it. He goes, no, 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 no. Grace has appeared, quite literally. And who he's referencing is who? Take a guess. Jesus, yes. It's almost always the right answer in a question in church. Jesus, right? He goes, no, like flesh has shown up. Like flesh has shown up. Grace has shown up in the flesh that when Jesus came, grace was incarnate. It was in the flesh. If you want to know how grace moves and breathes, how it responds, how it speaks, look no further than Jesus. It was grace, Jesus, same thing. When you say Jesus, you say grace. True grace is Jesus. He goes, we do this because grace has appeared, because Jesus has come in the flesh, but grace didn't just show up for our viewing. It brought something with it. Jesus brought something with him. What does it say? What did it bring? Salvation for who? All people. That grace appears in Jesus. Praise God. Like God shows up in flesh on the scene. Grace and it brings salvation to all people. Why did it bring salvation? Because we desperately needed it. We needed it so bad. Remember Isaiah 6 a few weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about how Isaiah sees God, sees the glory, and what's the first thing he feels? The gap, like, whoa, if that's perfection, I'm not it. <laughs> like, if he ever thought he had it right, the minute he saw a perfect, just all-consuming, powerful, sovereign God, he immediately recognized his own shortcomings. That's what happens when you see perfection. You realize, oh, that's what imperfect looks like. Once I've seen that, I see the imperfection, okay? He sees the gap. We talked about how he's not having an identity crisis. The gap is real, <laughs> like the gap between us and God. It's very real unless God chooses to do something about it. Well, this is the hope of Jesus, right? That, that grace has appeared, Jesus came and he brought something with him, salvation for our souls. That sin, your past sin, your sin right now that you know you're wrestling with, future sin no longer has the final say in your life. That in Jesus, you have salvation wiped clean. Oh, just pause when you come into the presence of God, the hope of Jesus as you talk to a perfect, powerful, sovereign God, you come to him clean. 
He sees you. He knows you. He knows everything you're wrestling with. He knows everything you're going to wrestle with. He knows the mistakes you made that you never thought you'd make. He knows the ones that are down the road. And the hope of grace is salvation for your life, forgiveness of sin. And that's just for starters. We haven't even got into the good stuff of grace to me yet. I'm like, I'm not getting excited, all right? So get there with me. So salvation, forgiveness. But I want to tell you a little bit about my testimony, my story. Because what we've covered so far was the beginning and end of my understanding of grace. Forgiveness of sin. Which is a great place to be. Understanding that the grace of God forgives you. It brings salvation to your soul. You get to spend eternity with God. It's amazing. But if I'm being honest, for me and my story, for the longest time, I thought walking with Jesus meant forgiveness of sin, so forgiveness for my heart, but not freedom for my mind, okay? That's very different to me in my experience, that I got the forgiveness that I always wanted, but I didn't get the freedom that I hoped would come with it. That was my understanding of grace. And I wouldn't have said that out loud because it's not true, right? But doesn't it sometimes feel true? And so for me, just to give you a glimpse, I want to be just really transparent with you and vulnerable about some of my story for a second. So when I was in my like upper teens, like 17 through 19, then 20 and 21, that like kind of five-year period of my life was just marked by just spiritual roller coaster, emotional roller coaster. Like depending on what month it was, I might be preaching to a youth group or just heavily consumed into drugs. Like just big time, anything, everything, don't care. If it gets me high, I'm all in on it. No questions asked, literally. And, or I was partying and, and just binge drinking, blackout, let's do that. Or I was with girls, being promiscuous. Or I was with pornography, addicted. Like, that was a huge part of my story. And if any of you are uncomfortable right now, I'm talking about stuff that touches over 70% of people that are alive right now. It's like such a thing. And there's just darkness. And so I found myself in this, almost this hamster wheel cycle where, okay, oh my gosh, I got caught. Involuntarily, I get caught in something. Like, my dad showed up at a party one time and I was just wasted and was like, how are you here? It was just terrible, right? Those moments, like, come to Jesus moments that aren't voluntary, you know? And it's like, oh my gosh. And so I'm like crying and I'm really crying because I won't see my friends anymore because I know I'm done. And I'm like, okay, Lord. And then I walked with God for a little bit and then I'm back in it. And I just found myself in this pattern where I try to walk with God for a little bit, try to do what's right, I guess. And, and then I just fall back into just my own flesh. And so I began to believe something that no one ever told me, but it felt really true. Oh, I'm destined to get it right, get forgiveness, do it right for a little bit, and then do something catastrophic and just mess it all up again, and we'll just do this thing over again. Okay, God, my bad. I'm really sorry I hurt you. Sorry I hurt you. Sorry I hurt you. Sorry to everybody. Get it right. Six years later, boom. And this led to some like, I just noticed in my own life, I had a lot of fears. So I was like, wait, it's okay to like have a, cat. it's not okay, but hear me out. It's okay to have a catastrophic mistake when it's just you, right? You hurt some people, but okay, everyone heals, we're like 18. But man, like walking into marriage, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder at what point this is gonna cost me my family. I wonder at what point this is gonna cost me my job. And I just, I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm believing that I'm on the trajectory of getting it right for a season, messing it all up, getting forgiveness, but it having real consequence. Are you following my thought process? And this was this belief that grace forgives your heart, but it does not free your mind. 
And I believe now, thank God, through people discipling me and reading the word and being with the Lord, man, if you ever feel so stuck in sin, like you're destined to your bad habits, that you can have seasons of freedom, but you're always gonna go back to them. Like you just gotta get lonely enough one day. You just gotta get angry enough one day and you'll go back to it. I'm just here to tell you, that's not true that we serve a God who gives a grace that doesn't just forgive your heart, and it does. And no matter how many times you mess this thing up, like God loves you, he's giving grace to your life, wiping the slate clean 10 out of 10 times, it's incredible. But also the hope of grace is that it brings very true and genuine freedom to your life. That you're not, you're not destined to being your own worst enemy. That, you are, that God wants to redeem you by his grace. And this is what he starts tapping into in Titus chapter two. If you think about Romans six, where Paul goes, what shall we say then? Shall we sin more so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You're dead to sin. And you hear that and you're like, "Woo, that's amazing. I'm dead to sin. I won't live in it anymore. And then tomorrow comes and you're like, Paul, you had it wrong. Here I am again. And there's like this, like, I don't know about you, but like this stunted growth of I already messed up. Romans 6 is already not true. But then check out 1 Corinthians. Wait, where is it? 4.14. Uh-oh. Oh, there it is. 4.16. Therefore, don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Keep letting grace take a hold of your life and you'll find yourself over the long haul walking toward freedom. And Paul's really gonna get into this in verse 12. He says, training us. He's talking about grace. I've never, have you ever thought about grace training you? I always thought grace just came to me, fell on my lap and it was like, gee, thanks. But check us out. Grace has appeared, verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Training us. Tell, someone tell me, what comes to your mind when you think training? What? Boxing. How quickly do you become a boxer, Daniel? Right? If someone goes, hey, I think I want to be a boxer. I'm going to train. Do you think, hey, I'll see you tomorrow when you're a world-class boxer? No, right? When someone says, I'm training my dog to pee outside instead of on the carpet. It's like, do you think, okay, tomorrow they'll be, is it, what's it called, house what? House trained? I was gonna say house broken. That's not it. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, so sorry, focus back in, Josh. So when you think of the word training, it, it always implies a process, right? It's never instantaneous. And I don't know if you've ever felt the rub with grace and saying you get to be free right now. You die to sin and you wake up tomorrow. Like, I'm not free. Well, Paul's like, let me give you a glimpse. Let me show you something. Grace is gonna train you for the long haul to walk in freedom. And you're gonna get help from someone really important. There's someone that Jesus promises us if we follow him. Does anyone remember who that is? Who does Jesus promise us? The Holy Spirit. And we've talked about this a lot in the past few months. What's a nickname that he gives the Holy Spirit? The helper. Yeah, you can say it louder. You guys are doing, you guys know, you're doing great. He's the helper. It's like, why is he called the helper? Because he wants to help you. We have this like world-class trainer. I don't know what field that you're in or you're excited about, but just picture whoever's at the top of your field and you do anything to get an hour-long coffee with them. And what if they show up to your front door and said, you're not just getting an hour of coffee, you're getting six months of free training. You just freak out. 
Like it's just something special about getting training from the best of the best. LeBron James comes knocks on my door and says, I'm gonna teach you how to play basketball. I'm gonna be the goat of the little basketball court at the park. Like I'm gonna be really good, right? It's like, that's amazing. Training from the best is awesome. I just wanna remind us as, as people, if you follow Jesus, you've been promised the Holy Spirit of God called the helper who will, who is offering you something, who will take you and walk with you and help you leave some things behind that you need to leave behind and step into some things that you need to step into in order to walk with God and be free in the spirit. In, chapter, in uh, verse 12, it says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So as, we walk, as we experience the grace of Jesus, and allow the grace to train us, that it will help us step away from things that we know we gotta step away from. We just know it. We know it deep down here. It's hard. It's really hard. Oh, why do I keep coming back to this thing as a dog returns to vomit? Why do I keep returning to this thing I know I don't wanna return to? It's like grace comes to you every time, forgives you like it was the first time, like over and over and over again, just forgiveness, but then it's gonna help you. Grace promises to help you step away from things that are hindering your walk with God. But it doesn't just help you walk away from things, it helps you walk into things. Check this out, I love this. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. This week, self-controlled really hit me. Does anyone else feel like they just have a limit? Like, if you say one more word, that kind of limit, you know? If one more car goes under the speed limit in the passing lane while not passing someone, like, just one more, just test me. You ever feel that, like, in your heart? Like, one more thing. If I hear that song one more time, it's like, I don't know, I don't, I'm just speaking from my own experience. I'm, like, getting really emotional up here. Like, what song is it? But do you ever have a moment where, like, if you say one more word, I'm gonna say the thing. I'm gonna do the thing. I'm gonna break. You ever feel that? It's like, you just feel like, I only have so much self-control, but the promise of grace is like, no, it's not true. You have more self-control than you can ever hope of. You are not like, you're not gonna be forever a victim of your just reckless passions. It's gonna grow you in self-control. It's gonna grow you in godliness. I think sometimes I've heard that word too much. It's gonna grow you in reflecting the character of God. Oh, guys, that's incredible. How often do you wake up and go, I really feel like I'm reflecting the character of a perfect God. Do you ever think that about yourself? That's a lie of the enemy. Grace promises. No, I'm gonna help you grow in reflecting the character of God for real. Like not parable, not metaphor. It's for real. Then I'm not even in my favorite. Gosh, all right. Verse 14 who gave himself, Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us, salvation from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Check this out. Who are zealous for good works. Guys, this freaked me out this week, how good of news this is. That grace turns us into a people that being met by Jesus in forgiveness and walking toward freedom, it turns us to a people that are zealous for good works. Zealous, great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. There's this group of people from the first century called zealots. Ever heard of them? One of the disciples was a zealot. Pretty wild stuff. Zealots were this group of people 
that wanted to protect the, the, the Palestine area from the Roman Empire, okay? Roman Empire, massive, dominant. Zealots, tiny, teeny group of people who were just mad at the empire, right? And their goal was to overthrow the Roman Empire. They were insane, just pipe dream. But that's what they were called zealot because of that word zeal. They had this like illogical enthusiasm to see something crazy happen. You know, for them, it never did. But for us, we get to be a people zealous for good works. I don't know about you, but I have a crappy belief about myself that I'm just a self-serving, selfish, at the end of the day, I only care about me. Do you know that is not your destiny? Like grace promises to take your heart, bring complete forgiveness, but not just that, to help you walk in freedom. And that one day, if it's not today, it's, it's, I promise you, it's your destiny to wake up and to search every nook and cranny of your heart. And all you'll find is a zealousness to see the goodness of God sprouting up all around you like spring flowers. That's the promise of scripture. And for so much of my life, I thought that was a pipe dream. Like, no, at the end of the day, if I'm mad enough, if I'm lonely enough, if enough bad things happen, all I have is bitterness or selfishness or some sin habit. And some of you right now, you view yourself that way. That is, that is from Satan. Grace promises. It's a training. It's a process. It takes time. Stick with it for the long haul. But it promises freedom to such an extent that you'll wake up and go, wow. At the heart of my heart, like at the bottom of my heart, I just want to see good. I feel like we live in a culture, you just want to be a good person. You want to be a good person? Walk with grace. Jesus, grace incarnate, walk with Jesus. He will take you there. I just want to speak to some of you right now who think really bad things about you. And you've made a ton of mistakes, so you feel like you have credibility in thinking bad things about yourself. You can trust grace. Like, not only does God look at you and see his son or daughter just welcoming you into the house, prodigal son, not waiting for you to get to the porch, coming out to the street to go get in here. I got a party to throw. Not only is it going to forgive you, and it is walking you to a freedom. Right now, some of you are stuck in something that has promised you that it will have the final say over your life. It will not. It will not. Whatever you're enslaved to, greed, sexual sin, I don't know. I just want to go and start listing like a thousand of them, but... Whatever it is, grace promises to take you to freedom. It's a process, right? It's a training. So I'm not saying tomorrow you're gonna wake up and be like, oh my goodness, it's perfect. Grace is real, I'm free. That could happen. I've got some cool stories, but also have a lot of stories that suggest it's a training as Paul's saying here, that as we walk with Jesus, we will find freedom. Is, is this hitting anybody? Like, please, this is for you. This is not for your friend. This story is not so you can go and tell someone else. It needs to hit you first. This is God's promise to your life. And then we get to go tell some other people about it. But the last thing God wants is for you to live a life where you tell everyone else about the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus and you don't get to have it for yourself. You are not like a hired hand that's helping everyone else feel like a family member. You're the family member, it's you. You get to receive the grace. You get to walk in freedom. And if you're tired and if you're faint of heart, shout out Finding Nemo. Keep swimming. Don't give up. The enemy keeps us so nearsighted. Nope, you did it. You're not free. Look at you. It's over. No, no way. No way. 
Grace forever forgiving you and leading you to freedom forever. I promise you. I remember moments where I was like 21 and I just, I knew for a fact I would never get above the sin. I would never get above the things that were just holding me captive. Lies, not true. Anyway, all right, I, I really hope you heard me. I, I'm just like, whew. Um, okay, okay, hold on. All right, verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We skipped that verse for a reason. I believe that verse 13 is the hope of all this. It's like as we're seeking to grow in the Lord, as we're seeking to live life, sometimes this thing can feel like a marathon that has no finish line. It's like, oh, what's the point? Do you ever have a moment where you're just, what's the, golly, I'm worried. What's the point? There is a finish line. Jesus is coming back. He will return. There will be a new heaven and new earth. It will not be make-believe. Christianity will not be exposed as something that helps you cope with a hard life. Jesus is coming back. You're gonna meet him. You're gonna talk to Jesus. It's gonna be pretty, it's gonna be wild. He will establish a new heaven and a new earth. That is a, that is a truth that will happen. We are not running this aimlessly. Our hope is actually in a real Jesus who is coming back. That's why we do the whole tell someone about Jesus thing because he's coming. And we want as many people as possible to know him. That's the finish line. We do this because our hope is in a very real Jesus who is coming back, who will make everything right. And so is grace free? Yes, it is so free. If you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you right now, this grace is not far-fetched. It is yours for the taking. He's offered it up. Follow Jesus. Is it free? Yes. Is it awesome? Yes. Man, there's some Sundays where I come up here and my faith is struggling. This is not one of those Sundays. God has just reminded me, like showing me my inner thoughts and just how, just how attainable freedom is. And he's reminded me of how much despair I felt and how I was convinced that wasn't possible. Yeah, anyway, I just wanted to remind you of this. So how do we step into this, all right? What does it look like to take a hold of this? Because I don't wanna leave us with like a emotionally charged sermon about grace, but it feels like we can't get our hands around it. And I would just encourage you in this way. This week, every day, talk to the Lord. And like that song was suggesting before I got up here and started teaching, let it sink in. Don't just think it. Let it sink in slowly like a sponge that God loves you. And just say thanks. I love you too. Just let it sink in. He loves you for real, in the current condition of your life. I mean, he loves that version of you, not the future cleaned up version, okay? The you right now that keeps forgetting to read the Bible, that keeps doing the thing that you can't tell anyone about, like he sees, he loves you. And just every day this week, thank you, God, for loving me. Hopefully there's not too much pressure behind that. The last thing I wanted to do on a teaching like this is give you like a four-step plan to like receiving grace and you feel the pressure of trying to do it. And that's what it takes away from the freedom that grace is trying to bring your life. So soak it in. And then secondly, just, just stay close to Jesus and people that love him. They, they'll just, they'll help you understand over the long haul how real this is, how good Jesus is, how forgiving he is, how freeing he is. The word does this for us in season and out of season. And being around people that you go, man, I don't know what it is about them, but I just, I know they love Jesus. Stay around them. They'll help you keep seeing, help you keep growing. It's been a game changer for me. So as we go to communion, I had a plan, um, but canceled. I think, 
I think today we just take communion and just almost live into the first step I just told us, which is just sit still and just as best as you can, with all the faith you can muster, absorb that God loves you. That when you drink the cup and you eat the bread, that the bread reminds us that Jesus became flesh, that God became human because he loves you. The cup reminds us that he shed his blood because he loves you. That this grace we're talking about, it's not free because it's cheap. It's free because it was bought at the highest price ever. Like Jesus died so that I could tell you this today. That it's yours for the taking. I mean, that, that is un- the highest price was paid so that grace could be ours for free. So as you take communion today, just soak in that just, as best as you can. Talk to the Lord. Yeah, I'm gonna pray. Then I'll dismiss this to communion. God, thank you. I love you. I, it breaks my heart how hard this can be to believe. God, will you help us to receive this today? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us, for not leaving us helpless. You're so good and you love us. Help us to hear your voice today. Holy Spirit, will you just lead this time in Jesus' name, amen.